Hello, my fellow Brappentonians, and welcome to Brap Talk. This is a weekly podcast where we discuss the happenings of the motorcycle industry. I am your host, Jensen Beeler of Asphalt and Rubber, and joining me on this two-wheeled adventure, the bringer of my burritos, Mr. Shaheen Avani! I thought you were doing the, uh, uh, may the Schwartz be yeah, with you. Yeah, I was kind of doing that, and I forgot what he said, <laughs> and then I was like, I've screwed this intro up like four times already, I'm not doing it again. Your yogurt? <laughs> yogurt the Magnificent? I see your Schwartz uh, is as big as mine. plain yogurts, my son. <laughs> yeah, I brought you a burrito, man. I wanted you to be full and happy. Brought myself some sushi. Where, what cart did that come from? The sushi cart. Where is that in location to the burrito cart? The first cart you see on the right is a sushi cart. It's a little okay. light blue one. I want to try the cart just to the left of the burrito cart. And they've got like some sort oh, of the, like the, the sandwich sushi thing. Dang it. I can't remember the name of it, but it's the it's a savory crepe. But yeah. it's a Chinese street food. I would have called it a Chinese torta. But maybe that's just because I'm always giving wrong. Mexican food while right. I'm looking at it. Yeah. If you watch them make it, it's actually a crepe. Except, okay. you know, like a very thin pancake. Yes. Um, what is it called? I've totally gone blank. It's delicious. And if and if you get it with their Chinese sausage, and I'm doing this in quotation marks, nobody can see me doing it because this is a podcast. Um, it's just fucking hot dogs. Is it really? Yeah, and they're delicious. I mean, they're they're like smoky. They're not like actual sausages. They're hot dogs. They're like somewhere between a sausage and a hot dog. I really like them. They're very tasty. It's very satisfying. You should get one. I don't know about Chinese food where you can't readily identify what meat it is. That's I don't know that about, Chinese about food is any food. Any food. I want to know like what animal died so I could eat it. It's a hot dog. A lot of animals died. I don't like. I don't care if it's a horse. Just tell me it's a horse. It's just a hot dog. Just asses and elbows all day long. Enjoy the flavor. It's delicious. Okay. <laughs> you say so. It's really good. I'm trying to remember the name of it, and I can't, but it's tasty. No. Um, I had a milkshake today, and it was a $5 milkshake. <laughs> and it was literally a $5 milkshake. <laughs> That's how much it cost. <laughs> to, to, to be fair. To be fair. There's been some inflation since Pulp Fiction. There have. So the fact that there was a $5 milkshake <laughs> like is pretty A $5 milkshake now is like a $3 milkshake then. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, I've had some like $8 milkshakes, and they're not worth it, but today's $5 milkshake was... And that's the only way you're allowed to say five dollar million, five dollar milkshake, five dollar, five dollar milkshake, like one word, five dollar milkshake, five dollar, five dollar. <laughs> it was delicious. The fidelity of it. It was a fidelity, five dollar, fidelity milkshake. Fell into a vat of cream. I one mouse put... drowned, and the other, he swam so hard, <laughs> he turned that cream into butter, and he walked out. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Christopher Walken here to uh, five dollar milkshake. Christopher Walken. Milkshake. Um, yeah, it was delicious. It was so good. I don't know why I just thought of it. It was a cookies and cream one. Yeah. It was it was really good. But there was like at the bottom of it, there was honest to god Oreos. Like I'm not saying like it was made out of real Oreos because it was, but there was like a half an Oreo times like fifteen in the bottom of my cup. I had to get a spoon and eat these damn things. Really, like Dairy Queen? Where were you? No, one of the food carts. Called the, I think the farmer and the beast. I just called the, oh wow, you are getting good at pouring drinks that are right up right to the rim. Right there. It's, that's, a, that's a gift. What is your attack, you know, plan of attack right now? How are you going to pick that up without wearing some of it? Uh, how am I going to pick it up? Left handed. That's how I'm going to do it. Left handed. 
so I would pay Coda so much money if she jumped on you right now. Wow. I'm impressed. That is your that is a steady hand you got on your left hand. What's your shooting hand look like? Though? I am ready for racing season. <laughs> that clutch hand, calibrated. Calibrated. Break hand, calibrated. You um are you ready? Bring it on, Brad. You're, You're looking really good. I'm fucking ready. You look really, really just like give me the trophies now. Trim. Yeah. Just give you the Clubman cha- Championship trophy right now. Yeah, I'm ready for it. Um, Brappy little sister has been working out very, very. Brappy little foo foo, as she's called in this house. See, here's the, this is the hard part, Shaheen. I have to walk a very thin line on the shit talking, because right. on the one side, don't. I'm not gonna let Hannah win. Right. On the other side. I need to have Hannah babysit my cat like every two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a it's no, no, a no, real no, no, no. delicate. What, listen, what happens on the track stays on the track. So far, nothing's happened. That's true. Nothing's <laughs> happened on the track. It's just been a lot of. In fact, I'm going to start a whole new segment of Brap Talk called Crap Talk. Crap Talk. It's just where the racers can con- can call us. We should do that. Omer and Warmer racers should call in and just talk all the shit they want, and we'll you know broadcast them accordingly. Yeah, Crap Talk. It's uh, we could do like a Discord, although Microsoft's about to buy Discord and they're gonna fuck it. What's all that up. other thing? Every all the kids are doing the Clubhouse thing. Clubhouse, yeah, Clubhouse. I don't know anything about it. I don't. I, I probably I, have, I got invited to it, so maybe I can start a crap talk. Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm in media. I should know something about that. Like that. That's a part of my job or something. Well, but you are getting old, and there's extra technology, and you only have so much bandwidth for all this technology. <laughs> Judging how many times we had to do the intro to this show tonight, yeah. Well, it's hard to press the button sometimes. Sometimes the button is. Harder to find. That burrito was big, though. It kind of good. Kind of reset good burrito. you a little. Yeah. Yeah. No, losing weight, getting ready for the season. Um, I was going to save it for, you know, how we do like, Gene, what have you been doing? What have I been doing? But um, <laughs> we'll, just go, we'll just go straight to me. What we'll just talk about doing? me first. Yeah, tell, tell me all about you. So I drove all the way out to Montana again to go see Kramer Joe. Oh, boy. Was it less terrifying this time? Because last it time you had, a, you had an exciting oh, drive. Oh, my God. Last time. The freezing rain in Idaho and Washington. The big rig flipped over. The big no, the big rig jackknife. Some SUV flipped over. Oh my god! Like I'm just so glad. Like I got home safe. Um, you know, this was way better. Uh, except side story. Side story. So I'm I'm in like Idaho. I'm talking on WhatsApp to Steve English, who is one of our hosts for the Paddock Pass podcast, our sister right. podcast. Uh, and he's like, you know, JB, you know, we've all been in lockdown over here. We've been stuck in our houses. We can only leave. Like he's under like this weird restriction. They, they can only go five kilometers from their house and if they get caught by the police more than five kilometers from their house. And they're not like going to the store or something, man, they get like a thousand euro fine. Like it's ridiculous. Like they get fined into oblivion. Five kilometers. That's like, that's not one freedom mile. Yeah. It's like one. It's, yeah. It's like three <laughs> normal miles. One freedom mile. <laughs> Freedom miles are way longer than normal miles. So, so he's, like, you know. he's like, I've always wanted to see Montana and Idaho. Like, send me some photos from the road. And I'm like, it is beautiful. I will do that for you. So it's sunset. I'm in like Missoula area. Mm-hmm. And there's like this mountain range to the right. And there's fog coming down it. But the sun's kind of shooting through it. But there's kind of like rain. and stuff. It's just gorgeous. America. See, and I'm like, I got you, boo. <laughs> I'm taking photos of it through like my windows. This doesn't do this scenery justice. What I need to do is roll down the window. What I need to do, Shaheen, is roll down my sunroof That's and right. get my phone out. That's right. Get it out there. Get it out there to get an unobstructed view. How did Jensen lose his phone? 
So I didn't show you, but you will notice this phone is not my normal phone. It is not. I was admiring your new looking phone. I got an iPhone 11 because my <laughs> iPhone 10 just perfectly caught the aerodynamics off of the hood of my car. That fucker went flying. Just flung it. Just went flying. Like just ripped. I'm going like 85 miles an hour. Just ripped it right out of my hand. And the best part is, maybe not the best part, but... I'm on my wireless headset talking to my lady friend while I'm doing it. And so all she hears is, oh, fuck. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. Trucks running over my phone. It's skittling across the highway at 80 miles an hour. My phone is destroyed. Oh, God. It still works. Wow. I mean, the screen barely works. And, and like, as the day progressed, the screen got worse and worse and worse. Now it's almost unusable. Wait, so you had to pull over. So I pull over on the side of the road, run down the road, looking for where my phone is, watching, like, cars come by. I do a little frogger on the highway, get my phone. It's still connected to my lady friend. She thought I died. She thought she she heard me get in a car accident and die. Oh, my God. Um, what a set of noises to have oh, to witness oh my gosh and it's just luckily like i was i had like 10 miles left on my tank i was just about to meet Jay. like we'd already decided on what exit we're going to meet at and like that was it like if i had to go another couple hours like it would have been an issue oh yeah um and luckily my watch has an lte connection so i can get like text message i can make calls and text messages and do basic map things right and that's how I got home. That's but, amazing. Man, I was just saying, like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever done. That's amazing. Just the stupidest thing. I'll post a photo to our Instagram. I took a couple photos with Joe. And like, we're like, I don't know if this photo is coming out or not because we can't see it on the can't screen. Quite tell. <laughs> they came out pretty good, though. Um, that's like a testament to Apple at this point, I think. You know, it. all things considered, it held up extremely well extremely well so did you wait to come back home to get that phone or did you stop at like best buy somewhere and grab it no i mean come on like it was uh a saturday night in montana where are you gonna get a phone i don't know the local no, bush i don't know no i had to do it when i got home and it was a whole thing i've never been to montana i just assume it to look like australia for some reason uh yeah kind of i mean australia is but like you know more snow there's a lot there yeah uh, it's beautiful there's just nothing there uh, Wyoming's the same way. Idaho, pretty much the same way. Like that whole area. Yeah. Beautiful. Nothing there. Um, The reason I bring the story up, talking about getting ready for the race season, picked up the Kramer. Obviously, that's what I was doing oh, out yeah. there. Got it back from, from Kramer Joe. Okay. 86 horsepower, 57 pound feet of torque. Whoa. What? Now, that's a lie. Wait, what? I don't Well, What? So why are you lying to me? So those numbers come because it was so cold in Fargo. Joe had to lie to his dyno on the temperature to let the, so so that the dyno would run so we could do the bike. And then those temperature numbers are used by the dyno to calibrate. So we think it's really doing like 83 ish horsepower and let's call it like 56 pound feet of torque. What was it before you gave it to him? 79. So that was on uh, VP Racing U point U four point four reg, which is a fuel I ran last year, about forty percent of the time. Hmm. The rest of the time was on MR twelve. So on U four, I made seventy three horsepower. So we're talking about a true. 
I think after you account for the bullshittery, a true 10 horsepower gain on the same fuel. That is pretty impressive. Which is not too shabby. That's a lot. Yeah. And I think there's still some fuel stuff. I, I have three fuels I'm considering for the season. I mean, that's like... So we'll you see could what probably I can do. add one can of uh, Mountain Dew per week now to your diet. Absolutely, absolutely, I can. You're good, ready to go. So we did. Um, we did <clears throat> what what he calls the the 706 kit. So it's 706 cc's up from 694, 693. Mm. I think it's the stock motor. So it's not a lot. It's not a big big bump. Clearly, 10 horsepower a lot though. But it's a lot more compression. Yeah. So it's a high comp piston. It's uh, titanium valves. We put a new cam in it. What's the rebuild schedule on that motor? We're hoping to get two seasons out of that motor. Wow. So I, I gave Joe, basically, I was like, listen, I want 85 horsepower at the wheel, and I want to go two seasons with this motor before we have to worry about it, mm-hmm. you know, blowing up. And the cool thing about, so the, a 106 piston is one millimeter uh, overbore from stock, stock's 105. But the way the piston is constructed, it weighs exactly the same as the 105. So it's still in balance. It's still, the crankshaft doesn't need to be futzed around with. Whereas if you did a 732 kit, then you start getting a vibration. So it's like, yeah, 732 is really easy to make 85 horsepower, but the bike rattles itself apart and it may yeah, not last that's a very one long. season motor. Yeah. So we're hoping to get two out of this. So we did the valves, high comp piston, uh, new cam profile, uh, larger throttle body, uh, the new Kramer intake. So my bike's like a 2018. There's like a new 3D printed intake that's good for like a horsepower or something. And then because the fuel chewed up my port so much, we think it was that MR12, uh, we, we ended up porting the exhaust ports, polishing it up. Hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I think that's everything. I feel like I forgot one thing we did to the bike. Nitrous oxide. What? Oh, yeah, we put his turbocharger on it. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um. So, yeah, pretty pretty stoked by those numbers. We'll see what it dinos here in Portland. Um. Like I said, there's still three fuels I'm considering for the season. I think one or two of those fuels could be a bump in power. I think, I think the, by the time we're all said and done, we'll hit that 85 rear wheel horsepower goal. Bike gained a couple pounds because of all this. We had to put like an oil cooler on it. And um, we we changed how the fuel filter works. Um, so let's call it like an even 270 ready to race. I mean, it's still technically lighter than its original form because of those yeah. carbon wheels and a couple other things. Yeah. Yeah. It's still about 10 pounds lighter than like a normal Kramer. So it's it's looking really fucking strong. Uh, I'm really happy with the work Joe did and, and the whole Kramer crew. Awesome. Couldn't be happier. He delivered the bike to Missoula for me. He saved like... 11 hours off my trip that guy man he, he yeah we've said this before i i wax poetic about joe anytime i get the chance to he he sort of embodies this you know what we want our niche sort of coach built motorcycle experience or really any vehicle experience to be like it's very personal he goes out of his way to answer your questions he takes care of you like you're the only customer mm-hmm. and i've seen him do that with our customers at the shop and it's it's pretty special when he shows up and just gives you like this race crew experience when you just bought one of his motorcycles yeah you i don't know what kind of car you have to buy to get that kind of experience but yeah it's not a 20 to thirty thousand dollar motorcycle option oh yeah and especially like i sent that bike back to just get the motor rebuilt and he ends up and he basically went through every part of that motorcycle and make sure it was ready for the season right um 
you know, it's, it's full, full fucking service as, as you would say. Nice. So pretty stoked on that. Really excited to get on the track. Um, need to figure out when that's going to be. There's a couple Thunder Hill track days that maybe I'll go do in April. You gotta, you gotta uh, get those cobwebs off. I gotta dust the cobwebs off. I know I'm gonna do the the Friday practice before the first Ohm around. There's right. a chance I'll do the CVMA around the weekend <clears> before. <throat> I'm at Button Willow this coming Monday, but that's with Aprilia, and I won't bring the Kramer down with me. I, really? Yeah, I think I'm flying. Oh, okay. I don't think I can fit it in his carry on. Although it's hum- pretty light. Yeah, I'm like, you know, take it apart in pieces, maybe. <laughs> Um, um well let's talk about the the aprilia thing so the aprilia thing is uh at button willow it's uh, an aprilia track day oh, I, forget, I should probably know what they call it it's like aprilia ride day it's ard are the initials racer day i think it's racer day um but i'll get to be the first person to take the aprilia 20660 on the track that's awesome. Do you think you get a chance to ride the RS660 as well? That is the plan. So I'll get to see a production version of the RS660, which I've been really wanting to do since I got to ride the pre-production and we kind of had some issues. Um, but all signs point to those bikes being pretty sorted out for the production side. And I've been wanting to ride one on the track for a really long time too, because I think that's a total class killer. You know what I'm, ex- uh, what I'm excited about about this whole thing? Is you're probably going to get to see Dan Trotty. Probably going to get to see Dan Trotty. Damn it, you lucky SOB. Yeah, we'll probably get some breakfast together. <sighs> um, we'll probably you know talk Dan about Trotty you. Dan Trotty was my, my Valentine this year. We should probably talk about that. I mean, Ann was out of town, and Dan was in town, so we had okay. steak dinner together. That's it's adorbs. It's super adorbs. He's a cuddler. Damn right he is. He doesn't care if you're a big or small spoon. He just wants to be there. Dan is just happy to be there. Yeah. No, it'll be good. Um, so we'll get to do, I'll get to do like a, so I think we're going to write a review about the RS660 on the track, write a review about the Twondo 660. And then I think I'm going to do an NR Pro comparing them to each other. So three stories. Dude, oh, that that's super fun. cool. Yeah. Should I'm, be good. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how do I whittle myself down there with you so I can have an Aprilia day. You know, I mentioned that. I was like, you guys should bring Shaheen down because then we can do like a podcast thing about it. You should try and, do you, can you get that? Day? It's a Monday. You it's can a get Monday. the day off, right? Is it this coming Monday? Fly into San Jose and you can come down with me. I'm running a car. Huh. It's we this Monday. We talk about this after the We'll talk recording. after the show. Let's make this happen. I okay. think that'd be good. I think it'd be fun. I think everyone's going to like that. I think so too. Plus, I get to see Dan Trotty. Oh, that's what it is. It is. It is. That's what it is. It's it not is. about me. It's about you. I mean, and it's Dan. totally about also you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, sir, tell me what you've been up to. <laughs> Um, just getting ready for, you know, spring in the motorcycle dealership world. It, it's, it's, it's on here. Like Portland, Portland has sprung. Oh dude, we have sprung hard. Flowers are everywhere. The traffic is back to full everyday insanity mode. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny you you know because you and I are in the industry we don't really think about our motorcycles necessarily as a, as a seasonal thing especially up here in the northwest to a lot of people it is though right so they basically kind of shut the bike down in let's say i don't know october and then probably don't really visit it regularly until come april or may so 
what happens from a dealership side, and I'm, I'm, this is me venting a little bit. Okay. What happens is here for you, bro. a lot of people, I may need a hug after this, a lot of people seem to forget that that motorcycle exists because life happens, especially this last year. And then suddenly it's like, oh shit, I want to go ride my bike, but it hasn't had an oil change. The tires look like they're flat. Mm-hmm. It's not starting because the battery's dead because I didn't plug it in or just any myriad things that could have happened. And then the dealerships have to now scramble to catch up with all this sudden urgency that people go, oh fuck. So what I'm saying is if you live in a seasonal area, you know, just north side of America, now is probably the time to start talking to your dealership to get your shit in there to get it started if you don't do your own work. Yeah. So if you're listening to us and you are somewhere that's seasonal and you're starting to think about riding your motorcycle, go to the garage right now, fire that bitch up, make sure your ba- tires are in good shape, your battery's in good shape, your oil's in decent shape. Clean your chain, send a picture to Ari Henning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no joke. <laughs> Clean Please chain do. club. <laughs> oh, I got a new chain. I got a new chain on the camera. Oh, you did? Yeah. Is it gold? It's gold. Yes. I have specifically told Joe gold chain. I already had a gold one on there. We changed... Oh. This is like, this is a stupid racer shit you do, right? I had a nice, beautiful DID, what was it, ERKV3 chain. It's like one of the best chains you can buy. <laughs> beautiful. But it's a little too wide. Oh. And so, like, the clearance between the chain and the tire is really minimal. Oh, man. And it rubs all my tire warmers. I'm, I've got these nice uh, cap it tire warmers that somehow i i got like like there's three tiers i thought i was buying like the middle tier and they sent me like the top tier thanks so they're super swank and i'm like i'm never going back again i don't want to rub my chain on this but i don't want to break these <laughs> right these tire warmers. So I'm like but like i legitimately like another season of taking the tires on and off i would have because oh, it be was destroyed. just rubbing them oh yeah but joe they use a different chain that's that's also very swank that's like three millimeters more narrow okay and that's literally like the difference between like saving your tire warmers and not. And so we switched over. And they're gold. But I insisted on gold. And he's like, oh, I don't know if I have a gold one. I'm Whoa, like, Joe, don't, always have gold chains, Andy. But don't send it back to me if it's not gold. <laughs> no, 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 I got to no. deal with this. Your podcast does not stand for that kind of shit here. <laughs> that's not the standard. Remember we're all the nice things with. I said about you a second ago, Joe? It'll all go out the window if there's not a gold chain involved. Yeah. I <laughs> put a kitty down there. See my watch? Gold. <laughs> I did look at Actually, that. Actually, the first gold thing I've ever worn. <laughs> <laughs> look at that. Um, that's uh hey can we start calling your bike mr t now that's got a gold chain on it it's officially called the schmonster the schmonster yeah all right I'm, I'm, i can't i can't argue schmonster fire breathing schmonster monster i got a little i can't i can't show you because the tv's covered but um <laughs> i could like throw i have a picture on my phone actually I can see, you have your phone over there don't I you do i can send you a phone oh yeah we got the airdrop bro we can airdrop you airdrop um, I, I did a little mock-up with my race number on it and uh one of the things about that is I made sure that when the two goes to a one, uh-huh. that uh, it would still look okay. Nice. Because, you know, planning ahead on the season. Let's see it. Let's see it here. There it goes. Oh, all right. I like it. Yeah. I like it a lot. Um, so the Schmonster is ready for business. I've been putting some miles on my on my schmulty strata multi monster strata um that bike is a bit of a hooligan yeah it gets rowdy it gets super rowdy yeah and the more i ride it the more i giggle at it because it's like you're a grown-up that's what i like about it It, it's a grown-up that has like it's like us like grown-up no kids so we act very childlike sometimes 
I mean, like, I still go to work and I pay my taxes, but given the chance, I'm going to fuck around. Yeah. And this bike, given the chance, will fuck around. Um, I might be painting it soon. You're going to paint it, paint it? Yeah. What are you going to paint it, like? I mean, this is <laughs> so many people are going to make fun. I'm so excited for it. All right. I used to be a huge uh, Formula One fan back in the day. And one of my favorite drivers, like a lot of old school Formula fans, was Senna. And one of the cars he drove was the John Player Special Lotus. Oh, yeah. All black, mm-hmm. all gold. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do a multi, like a Moto Corsa special. No one's, by the way, I'm, this is, some, I'm revealing this. This is the first this time I'm deal. actually going to This is an about. exclusive. Yeah, this is exclusive. Rap so the bike's going to be, be all black with gold uh, highlights. And just going to say, instead of JPS for John Player Special, it's going to say V4S. Huh? Because, you know. Why? Because the V4S, Jensen. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. Oh, it's funny you mention that because I literally ran into one of my neighbors for the first time and her son's name is Ayrton. What? And like it took me I'm like. I've never met another yeah. Ayrton. And I had like sit for some like, I'm like, I know that name. What is that? Are they Brazilian? Like, oh, that's. So, yeah, that's the thing. I was thinking like, you're definitely not Brazilian. Like maybe it's like a Portuguese thing. Well, are they are they like F one fans though? Maybe. I mean, I, like, a f- I mean, not to my knowledge. There's nothing about them that says motorsports fan. Huh. But like, I don't know them that well. But I kind of look at them like, eh. um, yeah. So I like that Ayrton. That's cool. Yeah. Anyways, I'm gonna have that. I'm gonna, and then I'm probably gonna do like a little yellow dot in the front of the bike, like a yellow circle at where the the valance is over the headlight mm-hmm. for Senna's helmet. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it'll be all black and gold, a little bit of yellow in the front. Okay. I think it'll look good. We're working on the design right now. You got a you got a guy? I got a guy. You got a design guy? You got a design guy. Okay. It's my boy Taylor at work. He got all excited about it. He's like, I want to do the thing. I'm like, do the thing, dude. Have fun. <laughs> good. Keep him out of trouble. You know? He huh. introduces me to vegan food and I try to keep him out of trouble. Just gonna transition out of this. Uh <laughs> Alpine Stars Tech Air 5. The race algorithm is coming to it. Yes. Which I think is pretty rad. I, I'm supposed to get one. I've been told multiple times I'm getting one, and I think now it's actually going to happen. Do we need to talk to that handsome mustache person? Heath? I did talk to Heath. Right, that's why I, I have confidence it'll show up. Heath will make it happen. He's um, but pretty cool. I mean, obviously, I'm a big... I think I think I can say safely, you and I yeah. are both big fans of the airbag Huge fan. thing. Absolutely. Phenomenon. Um, one of the things that I like is that Alpine Stars and Dainese kind of go back and forth on who's got the new the new like thing. Samsung versus Apple, and this shit is kind yeah. of fun to watch. It. The it's rat good race. they push each other along, which I, which I like. It, mm-hmm. it really progresses the the space. So, the Tech Air Five is their response to the Dainese Smart Jacket, which isn't really jacket; it's a vest. They're both basically vests. Yeah, but the Tech Air Five's got more it's shoulder. Like, it's got a little bit of a sleeve. It looks like it's a like football a jersey almost because it kind of has a shoulder go. puff yeah. area. Football jersey. Yeah. Um, but it's originally designed for the street. And now they have the ability through Bluetooth on your phone right. to switch the algorithm over to race so you can wear it underneath a race suit. So does that mean you have to have the phone with you if you're going to do a track day? No, just to make the switch. Oh, okay, just so you to, like, can do just the use interface. the app on there. Got it, got it, got yeah. it. I don't know if it needed to use your phone's GPS to telemetry to No. You can you just like like let's say you're in your hotel room before you do the track day or at, or you're at your car. You can just do it, toggle it, and you're okay. good to go. And it stays like that until you 
I'm, I'm going to be wearing mine during pretty much everything I do this year. You should. I'm a big fan of the thing. It fits nicely. It's it's super. That's the thing that I love about this newer stuff on both on both Dayanese and Alpine Star is that you could wear it under almost any of your garments. They're, they don't require. This is where it gets interesting. Right. So they're much thinner than they used to be. I forget what Dainese's number was, but Alpine Stars is on the top of my head, and it's like four centimeters around your circumference. So four centimeters is like an inch and a half. Yeah. So you need like if you were to pull your jacket all the way out, you, you should have, have three inches of of play there. If it's tight around your back, it should be three inches in front because it needs to be an inch and a half all the way around. Yeah. That's a really that's a lot. That's like going poor, one size one yeah. size bigger. That's a really I think because I'm used jacket. to wearing touring or adventure gear. They're usually pretty. That would be better. Like right. I have a couple leather jackets, and like one of them's like they're most of them are fairly snug because I like a snug fit with leather. Right, you're supposed to. But like I have one jacket that's kind of like that, and I'm sitting there going like, even this wouldn't be technically like this is this is as big as I would want to go. That still fits me. You were wearing the Dainese vest outside of your jacket. Well, that's why this is where I'm going with it because both brands are like, you can wear it underneath anything you want as long as, and then like as long as it has the four centimeters. And like, you, if you sit there and you think about it, like that four centimeters is quite a bit. Like, that's no jacket. No jacket in your closet should fit you that poorly. I mean, I hopefully. guess if you've got some kind of an old school jacket that's got like old school back pad technology, that would free up a lot of space. But I don't know if that's still yeah. four centimeters worth. Unless it's a jacket that's been designed to work with an airbag, so it has stretch panels, right. then it's kind of okay for it to be snugger. So it's like one of those things where, like, like the marketing side, like, oh, you can wear it under your jacket you already have. And like, you technically can, you just probably wouldn't want to. And that's where I kind of like what I, they meant to say is you can buy any jacket you want as long as it's a little bigger than you used to buy. You can have a personal size pizza. Oh, I fucked that up. You can Any size stick your pizza. head up a cow's ass to see the stick. You can drive a car off your feet. It just doesn't make it a good idea. Right. That's my, that's my go-to. Oh, I like um, it. So <laughs> that's where I kind of look at the Dainese where it's like, or sorry, the Alpine Stars where it can really only be worn underneath. Yeah. And I kind of go. Yeah, I mean, my, my race okay. suit with a back protector on is like fucking painted on me, tight, essentially. Tight, tight, tight. Toit. Um, or is it Dainese like. I've tried to wear that underneath. It's it's pretty bulky. Like again, like I'm not gonna wear this underneath something, but at least it's like a vest, right? And you can wear it on the outside. I don't love that solution either. I feel like both <laughs> I these see products, on a track day with that thing on the outside. Yeah, I feel like both these companies were like, this is what the people want. Right. We know that that doesn't actually work, but we'll just build it anyways, and they can just figure out it doesn't really work that way, and they'll buy one of our regular jackets. Yeah, and I well, yeah, but I think the original idea was because I remember when the whole you know airbag thing came out you your option was to buy an airbag jacket end of story right, right but now you can buy more or less whatever jacket you want that fits your style better as long as whoever you're buying from hopefully understands how to sell this to you and says hey if you wear a small you may want to look at say a medium because it's going to require more space underneath there you're you're essentially yeah. adding in this case four centimeters worth of stuff in there but it's not that simple shaheen because that's not that's my problem so like um Alpine Stars is a small, medium, large, extra large right. sizing kind of company. So let's say I'm a large. Okay, well, I want to use the airbag. So now you're going to sell me an extra large. Well, that means my cuffs are like everything's bigger, two inches longer. Right. Everything's bigger. It doesn't fit me in the shoulders. It's not correct in the length. Right. It's just going to fit me around the circumference of my body because I'm wearing this vest underneath it. Right. Like that's that's a bad solution in my mind. 
the only thing I really like about both these systems is that if you you can now go within those brands and have like the airbag ready mm-hmm. jacket. Mm-hmm. So like I have one airbag vest that I buy and I can have multiple jackets that can use the vest and that saves you the hassle. Like there's like right now I have a leather jacket, like two piece race jacket with an airbag mm-hmm. integrated airbag. I have an integrated airbag in my adventure touring suit. I have an integrated airbag in my leather racing suit. Mm-hmm. I have, I've basically bought three airbags when in reality now I could just buy one airbag and it works in all three of those garments. Right. And I save like $2,000 in the process or whatever it is. That's to me is the value. Yeah. Which is great, but struggling. Like we're just not quite there yet. It's it, you can see it's a work in progress. Yeah. I can see where in the future, pretty near future. Cause they're being pretty progressive about this. They're probably going to do what you're talking about where they're going to have a handful of jackets that are going to be airbag ready. That doesn't mean they have to be integrated airbag. It just means that the jacket is set up so that let's say your cuffs fit normally, but everything else has, you know, in the in the center mass area has got space for that airbag vest to be underneath it. I don't yeah. think I don't think that's too far from the future. No, yeah. I mean it really comes down to them just integrating stretch panels into the design. Yeah. Cuz like cause you can you can have a form fitting leather jacket put a couple stretch panels, you know, in the ribs and in the chest area and you're good to go. Yep. It can be form fitting and then it can expand when, when the airbag deploys and not like suffocate you. <laughs> so, but still, Just that being said, rib, no big deal. That being said, super stoked to see them putting the uh, race algorithm into the street vest. It's good for three deployments before it has to be. Repacked. So after each deployment, you have to send it back to get like a new, uh, I think it's Argon is the gas they use. Hmm. Uh, it needs a new canister and all that. But that servicing is cheaper than a full servicing, which you have to do after every three deployments because I guess the airbag itself is only rated for three deployments. Yeah. You need so, new parachutes, man. Yeah, so they're going to put like a whole new airbag in there for you. Um, so I think that the difference is like 180 bucks versus 300 or something like that. So it's not bad. So it's a little coin. The hope is you're not falling down that often. Yeah, if you're falling down that often, we probably should have a talk. It's been the third time, huh? We should probably sit down. Like, listen, like, what are you doing? Where are you, where are you riding? <laughs> Let's maybe go over some of the basics. Should, uh, you know, just a little baby step. Stop jumping so much. Yeah. I do love those people at track days, by the way, that like instead of incremental changes, they want to be like, I want to go to group A. Like, easy, Tiger. Yeah, just started. <laughs> you know, this was I wasn't like planning on talking about this for this, but I'm writing, uh, hopefully it'll be out tomorrow when this podcast comes out. Um, I'm writing a story about the racing. The title is uh, How I Lost Seven Seconds in a Season. Okay. And and it's all about like the mental side of the sport and setting goals and measuring and like breaking down the racetrack to, you know, figure out where the, the most important sections are and things like that racing line. But the start of it, I talk about the racer's mentality and it's that. And it all kind of hinges around the idea of like you need to be mentally capable of being willing to change and to take in new information and learn and process it and have a plan and work the plan instead of like just like what you just said, like, I want to go from C group to A group right today. Like you have an idea of what you want to do, but it's just not that quick. And I had like my mind, like a couple like racers and track date people I've interacted with the last couple of years where you sit there and you're just like, I'm telling you how to do it. I'm telling you how to get faster. I'm giving you like I'm giving you the tools that you need, 
but you're not there yet mentally to use them where it's like, say you're 15 seconds off the pace and you're like, Oh, I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna follow you into the turn Jensen. And I'm just going to follow your line. You're like, you're 15 seconds a lap slower than me. Don't. You're not following my line. No. You're following my line. You're crashing. <laughs> you know, like you're not, you're not there yet. You're not, you haven't, you're not working up your goals. You're not working up to that, that point. And it's a terrifying thing because you sit there and you're just like, you try to explain it to them. It's like, and it's clear, like they've got this in their head. They've read it on Reddit or a right. forum or something. And it's just like, oh, if I just use that softer tire, then I'll be, I'll be just as fast as you, or I'll be able to do this lap time. And you're like, it's, it's like the guys in C group that have slicks. We're just <laughs> like, Hey, I'm going to put slicks on my bike because then I can go faster. And you're like, yeah, but you're not fast enough yet to make slicks work on your right. bike. We, we've talked about this before. And yeah. what it really comes down to is a deadly combination of pride, ego, and the desire for instant gratification. Yes. It, it just, on things like going faster on a motorcycle, especially, it is these small steps that you take bit by bit by bit. And then it just, it slowly happens, but it takes planning. It takes, uh, you know, learning and applying all that stuff that you've learned but knowing that it's going to be a slow process, it's a slow process to go fast. Losing seven seconds takes a while. Losing seven seconds means you have seven seconds to lose. And that's one of the things I go through. I say like, you know, four of those seconds were from goal setting. Right. I, 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 I didn't drag knee my first race. I can tell you, I'm a, I'm literally a professional motorcycle rider. And I'm out there, and I've done track days for almost two decades now. And I'm out there on a bike. I'm not even dragging knee because my whole purpose of my first race was just to do a race. Yeah. Just to understand, just to, just to try and figure out and know what I don't know. Like, I've never never done a race start before. I've never been in that environment. I've never had, like, I remember going into the first turn and being like, whoa, this isn't a track day. You would never make these kind of passes and moves on the track day. No. <laughs> this is racing. Yeah. Like, this is something new. This is for real points. <laughs> yeah. It's not that it couldn't go faster. It's just, I was like, that wasn't my program. My goal for that race was just to do that race. Yeah. And my next race was like, okay, now I'm going to start doing this. And the race after that, I had, I had goals for every single race throughout my entire novice season, where I wanted to be, what kind of lap times, who I wanted to be racing against, who I wanted to be and specific. And then, and then to do that, I also had like, areas I was going to work on. Okay. I want to get better at breaking into turn seven. I want to get better at breaking into turn one. I want to get better drive out of turn nine. I want to get better, you know, turn three. What, what, what line do I think is the best line for turn three? Which one works for me the best? Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to take that increments. And that was the first four seconds that I lost. The other three seconds were like just improving the rider being like, okay, like, you know, now I'm doing what I would consider a normal pace for me. Mm-hmm. How do I improve? How do I get better as a rider? Which was the whole purpose of me of racing in the first place. And it's pushing that front, that front end, you know, more it's getting on the throttle faster. It's, I mean, shit, man. Like one of the things that like made some different time was just speeding up how quickly I would get on the brakes after I rolled off the throttle. Cause you don't realize like you pick up bad habits that you don't know about. Yeah. And a lot of riders, there's like a second pause. Like you roll off the throttle, then you grab the brakes. Well, if you can make that all one motion, you're going to save yourself like tenths of a second each time. And there's maybe four or five of those on a, on a, on a track. Like it'd be half a second right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to have like that mentality to be that willingness to change and learn and adapt to measure it 
to make sure that you're doing the thing and that you you can actually show that the gains and where you're making it like if you don't have like a lap timer like then what are you doing at the very least like a gopro um i have a whole little data logger now those little gopros tell a lot of truths about what you're doing what you're not doing I had someone like, oh, I'm breaking at the three board. I'm like, all right, let's look at your, let's look at your video. <laughs> you're breaking at the, like you were off the throttle at the five board. <laughs> right. And then break at the three board. There's like, I saw like second and a half there where you're just doing, where you're just idling. <laughs> so like, yeah. Just doing the math. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's the, the mental side of it is, is interesting. But like, like you said, like you have to have that, that component to like get over your own ego, get over your own, you know, BS. Because I think there's multiple riders I have worked with at track days and, and new racers where you sit there and just like, you're holding yourself back. Like you're like, they'll sit there and they'll, they'll be like, I'm going to do this and this and this to my bike because I need to get quicker. And I'm just sitting there going like, no, you just need to get over whatever it is in your head. Like, there's one guy in particular I'm thinking about like he had a he had a Panigale V4 maybe or 1299 I can't remember which one and he's like a C group rider and you sit there and he's like oh, I want to be faster and I'm just like I'm like sitting there going like you should probably get off this Panigale V4 then because like I'm watching you like you can't turn for shit but you can give it full gas on the straightaway like we're doing the exact same lap times we're doing like let's say like 18s at PIR, which is nothing to brag about um, for, for my bike or his, but you're sitting there like your entire lap time is your 220 horsepower machine down the front straight. Yeah. Like yeah. you're doing straight line here, 30 pace in the turns. <laughs> and it's just like, you would benefit so much from a slower bike, but your ego says I have to be on like a Panigale. V4 oh, I've got R. a 200 horsepower motorcycle. I need to be the master of a 200 horsepower motorcycle. Yeah. And it was like, like, is that fun for you? Like, I can't see how that'd be fun for you. No, I think there's a bit of, there's probably a struggle in the, in the mind of a writer like that, that says, I need to get my money's worth. Right. If you've, if you've spent 20 to $30,000 on a leader bike yeah, and now you're on the track and you've had, you've got, you know, 80 of your closest friends watching you, or at least you feel like they're watching you because nobody's really watching you. They're just, you know, the only people watching you are the instructors. Uh, but they're not even watching that one. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> there's 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 always a you know honestly even on a spirited street ride you know we always talk about hey ride your own pace right this is not a show this isn't a uh we're not trying to prove to each other how badass we are just ride your own pace have fun and yes there's a lot of camaraderie and fun and being able to keep up with your friends and you know have fun with them and be able to talk about that thing but at the end of the day especially on a track day or a street ride the goal is to just finish it in one piece yeah, have a good time, learn something, hopefully, uh, and be able to apply it. So if your goal is to be faster and better at it, then again, going back to what we said in the beginning, baby steps. You have to have a goal. You have to have plans. You have to have a bit of, little bit of analytical thinking of what am I trying to achieve and how can I get to that step? It's not what am I trying to achieve and how can I achieve that today? I guess I'm also working on the op- on the idea that that person wants to get faster. See, for me, like, that's a given. Right. Like, I'm such a competitive person. Of course, I want to get faster. Of course, I want to get better at it. I want that's to do... the whole do, reason you're on the track. Yeah, my whole my whole shtick in my life is I want to do everything to the best of my ability. But, like, I could see with some racers and some track day people, it's just like, I just want to go out there and 
have some fun. Just happy to be here, man. You know, like there's some guys that are like, yeah, I do 18s. I'm stoked doing 18s. Mm-hmm. I have fun racing with the other guys that do 18s. Mm-hmm. I don't really need to do 17s or 16s. I just want to do 18s. Yeah. I guess that's a thing. I guess it's okay. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, how do you measure your own fun? But I think we're, we're, our topic here is about the person who wants to be faster. Right. If you're just going there to have a good time, fuck man, more power to you. I think that's, that's awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no amount of peer pressure that should move you from that. As long as you're not being dangerous, right? If you're, if you're in group B going at group C pace or having bad lines, that's not, that's not having a good pace. That's just not riding well. Right. Uh, and hopefully there's going to be instructors at whatever track day you're doing to watch you and go, whoa, you are a danger. We should fix that. Uh, but if your goal is to go faster than understanding and coming to terms with the fact that it's going to take a little bit of time. And I guarantee you probably nine out of 10 people that are listening to us who do track days on a regular basis and are faster understand what we're talking about. My goal is, my hope really is to reach maybe that one out of 10, maybe that one out of 10 that doesn't understand that concept and maybe wants to do a track day and i'm hoping that they realize that hey just remove the ego and the pride out of this thing leave it at the gates come in here learn and understand that it's going to take you probably not several sessions but several track days to get to that next level whatever that next level may be and that that next that next level is not like a monumental level these are like baby steps so you're going to go from maybe doing a minute 24 PIR to doing a minute 23. And that's a big step. Yeah. And how are you going to get to that one second? That one second is a big deal to a lot of people. And sometimes it's a recognition of, you know, just the transition from throttle off to brake or when to hit the brakes or when to get on the throttle or what line to use. And the best thing to do then is hopefully be at a track day event where there are people that can help you if not instructors at least other writers that understand how to help you on that one that's pretty i'm sure it's pretty daunting i mean i remember my first track it was scary as hell not scary it was exhilarating but it's it's intimidating because you're suddenly surrounded by all these people who've been doing it for a long long time at least compared to you and you're like oh shit i may have bitten off more than i could chew but i'm here now and i need to confront this thing that i've that i've chosen to come to do i've spent two to three hundred dollars to be here Hmm. and i got to do the thing and i'm you know the your worst enemy more often than not is yourself right you're the one that's getting in your own way most of the time totally and so if you can understand that and go okay uh and i think 99 percent of our track day uh uh, attendees are really good at seeing that recognizing that and saying you know what i'm going to be better if i listen to you as opposed to no i got this and every so often you get that person that says no i've got this and we see that that's a red flag and you know you you fuck around more than once or twice, we're going to say, nah, you're dangerous. You got to go. I don't care if it costs you 250 bucks for today. You're literally being a danger to everybody else. In fact, I would rather pay you back for your money for you to fuck off. But that's like once every four or five track days you come across someone like that. Sure. But that's the same thing. Like, why was my goal for my first race just to redo the race? Because it's like, I got to, it's like, third call do i get my towers on do i do i get the right tire pressures and like i do the thing like okay i'm on the grid like when, when's the guy gonna wave the flag oh you fuck he's waving the flag right now how do i start the bike <laughs> like that's literally like my mental process that first race is just a me. lot it's a lot you're not gonna be 100 because it's a lot i mean fuck track days anything anything that you do for the first time you're just barely trying to figure out your way through it what if you and i that we used to have a velodrome mm-hmm. here in portland i always wanted to like go down and do it 
know nothing about it. I've ridden bicycles my whole life. Right. I'm a great bicyclist. I'm in fairly good bicycling shape right now because that's <laughs> all I've been doing during the pandemic. But what if you and I went down to the velodrome to go ride bicycles? Right. We'd be so over our heads. And it's not Look because we like, don't know anything about riding bikes. It would just be like, <laughs> so you got it. Like, there's an etiquette. Like, what do, do you come at the top of the track? It's or such the a new application. Like, right. Where do I, I get in? I, I know nothing about this. I've literally just shown up. I watched maybe <laughs> one video on YouTube. And here I go. And, like, I need someone to, like, just give me, like, the low, the low down here. And we would be the same way. We'd be the same way. Fish out of water. Uh, speaking of Tacoma forums, Mark Marquez not going to race the Qatar. <laughs> that's just like the Tacoma forum. <laughs> Are you surprised though? No, not at all. Um, I was going back and forth with my. I have a ten a ten dollar bet with Neil Morrison from the Paddock Pass podcast. Oh, he says Mark Marquez is going to win the MotoGP championship. Wait, yeah. show me your math. Where did yeah. this come from? I don't know what he's smoking, but like they're they're talking like oh he's yeah, he's just razzling you, man. I think we have been. I think. Repsol, Honda, and HRC have done a massively beautiful job of hiding how serious this injury was. This is a serious injury. This guy's lucky to have an arm. Yeah. And like, so like this talk of like him returning for Qatar, like, of course he's not coming back for Qatar. Of course he's not. He's lucky to have an arm. I mean, you always hear about the violence of riding a MotoGP on full brake or full throttle. Yeah. That's, that's, so that's why I'm sitting there going, like, he's not coming back in time. He can barely like hold a pencil. Um, so I'm not I'm not surprised in the least. Uh, there's talk that he'll be back for the first European round. I have every reason to believe that. I think he's going to be mid pack at best. Yeah, I mean, talk. I mean, about, I mean, again, going back to the noises in your head, right? Can you imagine the mental battle of dealing with this? Yeah. At that level, at that level of competitiveness. Yeah. That's a if he comes back and is mid pack, I'll be I'll be standing up cheering for him. I think he'd be mid pack just because he is like that determined of a person. He is that hard of a worker. But like there's only like there's physical limits of the human body yeah. that you can't mentally overcome. And maybe by the end of the season he's back to winning form. I don't I'm not gonna discount the fact he might win one or two races, but a championship, no. Neil, you can send me your ten your ten bucks right now because that's just not going to happen. Well, I mean, is it ten bucks or ten pounds or euros with him? Well, that's the thing, right? He lives in Spain, so you think like I think I should get euros and I should euros. have to pay him dollars. Totally, saying, absolutely. That's just how that. Is. Yeah, that's just how it is. That's just <laughs> that's good math. <laughs> uh, but MotoGP season is almost upon us, Shaheen. I'm happy for that. It's amazing that it's almost back. That's so cool. It's like it never went away to me. Yeah, this was such a busy winter that I just can't believe that it just came and went. Who's your Who's your pick for the year? I don't have one yet. Really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I, I and honestly, out of I was going to say sheer laziness, out of sheer busyness, I haven't had a chance to sit there and look at the lineup and see who I'm really going to be kind of gunning for. Yeah. Last year, I was I was really hoping for Quadrara. He just seemed like a wild card to me. Yeah. I mean, he is a wild card for sure. Right. And I like that. I mean, it's it, so the one thing that happened with Marquez not being on the lineup was the sort of colorful uh, lineup that we had. Yeah. It wasn't the Mark Marquez show and then who comes in second. Right. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious to see what happens this year. What do you think of his brother? Uh, underrated and overrated, which makes no sense. I know, <laughs> but like That's a lot of thoughts, I, I think, I think there's a lot of talk about Alex Marquez purely because he's Mark's brother. And that's probably and that and that's why I think he's like overrated in a sense because it's like 
I don't think he would get the hype or the attention or even have the opportunities if he wasn't Mark Marquez's little brother. Right. But I think we did see towards the end of last season that he is a MotoGP caliber rider. Not to say that there aren't other MotoGP caliber riders out there that aren't in the series right. that you know he's taken a seat from or whatever. Um, but he, he deserves to be in the class. I think him being in the LCR Honda team is the right choice. Him going into Repsol Honda was, I think, just too much of a PR move. Uh, he needed a season to to grow and learn and, and not be in a factory team and ha- not have the pressure of that. And I think being an LCR, a, a good team, a long-standing history with Honda, with support from Honda, is exactly what he needs. Uh, I think we could see him surprise us at a round or two. I think he'll be on the box at a round or two. I don't expect him to win races, but you know, there's crazier things that could happen. Um, I don't really. Do you I mean, think uh, I, he's not really like one of the riders like I'm rooting for or anything, but it's an interesting story. Do you think that uh, Mir is going to have the same sort of mm. performance of last year? No. Why do you, do you say that? Because there's other riders of different caliber there now, or uh, the, do you think Suzuki's not up to par? I think the Suzuki bike is probably the best bike on the grid with an asterisk. I think it's the most well-rounded. Hmm. I think the Ducati is the best bike on the grid because the Ducati is the best bike in several areas of being a motorcycle, and that's where you can exploit it, where it's like it's it's a great bike to be laid on the brakes. So, so it's a great bike. with it has like the most power. Um, and you can use those things as an advantage, whereas I feel like the Suzuki is probably like second or third in every single category like it doesn't have like a weakness per se other than that it doesn't it's a jack of all trades master of none kind of deal hmm. um so i think the suzuki overall is going to be a really good package to be on i think it'll be strong at just about every track except for maybe a qatar where it's going to be down on some power um and maybe like the red bull ring in austria but uh mirror i feel like I think I think it's like a case of last year was like there's so many riders who could have won the championship, mm-hmm. but who could never string together their consistency. Yeah, and I think that's the same thing with Mir, where it's just like he's always going to be. I think the reason he won was because he was always that he was always kind of like a top five rider, and he won some races, but like he was always he was always just there. Whereas like you'd see like you know different riders will win a race on one weekend and then come in tenth on another. And that's that was them losing the championship, whereas he was just kind of steady Eddie, never really like peeking out, but always there. And that's that consistency is what got him a chance. That's how you win championships, is consistency. Yeah, that really is. You know, I look at that for my own race and like I gotta be consistent. Um so you know, we'll see. Um not to say he couldn't. I'm just I'm I'm thinking Jack Miller's gonna put it together. You think so? Yeah. Really? I think the Ducati is really strong this year. I think Jack is finally at that point where he's, especially on the mental side, you know, coming back to that side of it, where he's clicked all those things into place now and really knows how to take the sport seriously and knows how to train and knows how to, you know, show up on race day with the pace. Um, you know, he may not win it because I think there's a couple guys that, that can definitely fight for it, but he's going to be right there. I think he's going to be one to look for. I'm wondering whatever happened. I mean, I know he's still racing, but one of my 
old favorite wild cards was Johan Zarco. Yeah. What do you think 2022 or 2021's looking like for him? Cuz isn't he uh what did I think he was going to be riding at Ducati? Like one of the one of the Yeah, Premac Ducati. Yeah. Um I think that's a good spot for him. He he showed some good signs. The thing with Zarco, Zarco's a fucking weird dude. He is very much. He, like he's he's super French. Uh, he's <laughs> we, super said. I mean, like like again, like he he's like one of those guys. Like I have a factory ride. I'll just not be a factory rider anymore. <laughs> I give up. Um, he reminds me kind of like Biagi. Interesting. When he's having a good day, he's brilliant. Right. And maybe like Ian Oni in a way as well. When you're having a good day, he's brilliant. When he's not having a good day, he's a little bit of a head case. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, if the way he will succeed is if Pramac can create the environment, the team, and have a bike that he feels confident with. And you think feels, that'll allow him to get a, get a, get out of his own way then? Yeah, because I think that wasn't the case at KTM. Yeah. You know, I think that whole situation was kind of fucked, and he was like, this is fucked, and then he stopped trying. And I think that's the issue. It's like, he'll just turn off. And that was kind of like how Iannone, that's why he say he's like, you know, he's he's a basket case like Biagi, but he's got that turn off switch like Iannone does. Well, you know, it's like, oh, the bike's kind of shit today, then I'm not going to try. Right. I may not even show up to free practice one. <laughs> you know, and if I do, I might still be drunk. And Pretty if I'm still drunk, crazy. we might be doing shots in the, in the, in the you know, the so, pit box. So this makes me wonder, is is Petrucci going to be level-headed enough to ride the KTM this year and maybe bring it to that level? Because he's always sort of been a rider that I've always had had high hopes for. Yeah. But it's kind of like, you know, I'm not saying he's an average, he's an amazing rider, but I've, I don't think he's... I hope I see the day that Petrucci has a championship. I don't know if KTM is the right vessel for that. Maybe it is. Maybe we'll be surprised. I don't think Petrucci ever gets a championship. You don't think so? No, I don't think. There's something about the guy that's make him makes him likable to me, so I want he's him to super have one. Likable. He's a super cool dude, right? But I don't think he's that caliber rider. I think he's a great number two rider in a team, and I think being in the Tectois garage is going to be great for him because mm-hmm. that's a great squad to be in, and they'll they'll he'll be able to find a lot of potential there. But like for me, this is like a make it or break it season. Like his his status is falling. This is it then. So if he doesn't show some sort of brilliance, like I'm not sure he's here. I don't. I can't remember how long his contract is for. But I don't see him getting a, another contract after this. Hmm. I think after that, it's like you're either paying for a ride on like a third rate team in MotoGP, which would be like basically a Vinci at this point, or you're just not. I think Petrucci's contract ends the end of this year. KTM. That wouldn't surprise me. I think it does. It wouldn't surprise me. I can't I can't remember off the top of my head where everyone is on the contracts, but so it's like one of those things where it's like it's kind of a put up or shut up. Like he needs yeah. to be he needs to be like for sure the top rider in Tech Qua. And if he could like upstage one of the factory KTM guys, that's gonna bode well. That would be really, really interesting. I think that's that. gonna be really hard to do. But um you know, give it a whirl. I mean you got Brad Bender. Well, I mean you've got like uh uh Morbidelli on Yamaha. You've got um, Vinales on Monster Yamaha. There's some. I mean, there's some names on those on those bigger brands. But I I think I agree with you. I think that Jack Miller 
Because I think Miller's contract is also an option at 2022, so he needs to prove something this year. Uh, Jack's got a lot of support inside Dakota. Like I know, I know that they like him a lot, and he's 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 done well. I mean, there's a reason he's in the factory squad now. I just like people screaming his name during the races. Jack Miller. Yeah, it just, it just works well. Yeah. Um, no, I think he's he's a good get. I think his spot, unless he has like a disaster of a season, is pretty secure. Um, Bagnaya, we'll see. I mean, he's he's kind of like their young hope. I mean, Ducati's got an interesting kind of program going on. They do. Uh, between they're kind their, of spreading it out, though. There's yeah. a lot of a lot, of, a lot of Ducatis the out there. Yeah, and that's the same thing. Like that's it's like the Yamaha team. There's a lot of Yamahas out that's there. That's the weak link in Suzuki's program, though. It's like they need to have a satellite team, and they yeah. they just don't do it. Um, uh, here's what no one's saying in this room currently. Maybe Coda's saying it. I'm not understanding Cat. <laughs> I think Rossi. This is the year. He's going to get his championship, bro. Are you fucking crazy? <laughs> I'll, I'll bet you $10 on that. <laughs> oh, man. I I think this is the end of the Rossi's It feels like it. GP I mean, career. We'll see. Like He could go in there and have a great season, be the fastest Yamaha rider, and and be in the top five and win a couple races and if that's the case i could totally see him signing up for another season god but if it's a if it's a mediocre season this is his last one for sure this is listen drinking game every time during a race if they say 42 year old rossi drink every time they mention his name drink your 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 liver will exit your body that's the thing i don't think he even comes up that much because he's like he's not there at the front usually you top know, five. like if you're lucky, so you're like top five. They they scream his name. If you're lucky, he's fighting for like third. Usually, he's like fifth or sixth, which isn't bad, but you know, not a factory rider anymore. Um, Esperago, any Paul any thoughts? Paul yeah. or Alish? Uh, Alish. I love Alish. Like I got a I got a signed photo of Alish right behind yeah. you. I think he's one of the most underrated riders in MotoGP. Has has been so throughout most of his career. Uh, the problem with him is he's on the Aprilia. Well, that's why I'm asking because he's and on the Aprilia. Who the fuck knows what that's going to be like yeah, this year? I'm curious. Is the Aprilia, uh, this is sort of like their test year, isn't it? I mean, they've had a lot of test <laughs> years, Gene. Well, like KTM had a bunch of test years too, but then they're finally like... Yeah, but KTM's... KTM, I mean, one, KTM's spending way more money than Aprilia is, and two, they've risen dramatically quicker. Hmm. The problem with Aprilia is, is like they've really struggled initially with their package. Like they probably would have been faster on the World Superbike, um, and you know they held on to Enone for way too long. Um, that was just such a bad pick. But I could see like the Italian, Italian, Italian rider, Italian team thing. Like Italians have such a hard on for that sometimes that right. like it, they just can't get out of their own way with it. Um, and that's kind of something that held Ducati back for a long time too. Um, it's very nationalistic like that, but. I mean, this year they have concessions. They can develop their motor. They get they get a lot of extras. They get more motors. They get more testing days. Right. Than the other teams, like by all accounts, they should improve dramatically. There's a lot of indications that this could be the first year of that bike where, like, like we could talk about it maybe being on the podium and not sounding crazy. Huh. Um, they've made some. They've made a step, and we're expecting that in 2021. Alesh is really good at Qatar. We have two races at Qatar. If that bike makes enough horsepower, like he, we were seeing, he was very fast in testing. Mm-hmm. If he got a podium in Qatar, it would not surprise me. It's the rest of the season that I'm like, I don't know. It's a wild card. Like, Start it could strong, be, man. It could Start be a beautiful strong. thing for him. Like, it, like they, could, they could 
surprise us and be in that top five, you know, consistently this year and, and be like, wow, they really turned it on. Or they could kind of continue with that struggle. I mean, like it just it's so hard to tell. Um, and they don't really have like a great track record of like, you know, progressing and making big changes. But I think that team is finally on the right track. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. And then Paul. Paul's another one like I mean, if you told me if you told me your pick for the season was Paul Spargo, I'd be like, yeah, that's a good pick. Yeah. He's looking really he looked like he gelled with that Honda really quick. And without Mark Marquez there, he's their top guy. Yeah, there's a lot resting on him right now. I think he's gonna fuck up some shit. So do you would you say if you were gonna have to pick between Paul and Jack Miller for 2022 championship, who's your pick? I'm picking Jack. I think it's I think it's Ducati's season. Yeah. But if Paul won it, I wouldn't be surprised. I think that's I think I think those are two really solid picks for for who could win it this year. Um Brad Bender, if he makes a step, maybe. Mm, that seems like a long shot. Fabio Quattro could definitely be there. He's got to kind of put it all together. I think Maverick Vinales is I think so Quattro far. Needs another year to kind of get his shit together. This could be that year, though. Really? It could be. I, you're not wrong, but like it, he could. It could be this year. I don't know. Like if he ate his Wheaties in the off season, I don't know. <laughs> he's been working out, bro. I think Maverick Vinales is so far up his head. He's going to have another disaster season, and that's his last year in a factory team. Morbidelli is going to be a big. I think is going to be there. That, yeah. That's the thing. I think this is this is my issue with Maverick Vinales. I think Morbidelli and Quattraro are going to be the top guys. And that makes Maverick Vinales third. And you're in the factory seat. Mm-hmm. No, you're he out, can't bud. be doing that. And then once he's out, then he's going to be all up in his head. And he's going to be on Struggle Bus City. And it's going to be bad news bears. That's like four idioms in a row. Good luck with that non-English speakers. How's Yonona doing? <laughs> um, still still in uh, timeout for what? Three more years or four more years? Oh, he's, he's done. Oh, he's done, period? I mean, I mean, yeah, he's like banned four years off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, that's a, an effective death. Yeah, that's, that's you're done. You're here at that point. He's like 36 or something or 35 or 32. I don't I can't remember how old you is. He's like 32 right now. Yeah, but 42 year old. And are you know, Rossi. Yeah, but he's not Rossi. That's the thing. <laughs> um, he's 31. So he'd be 35 by the time his band's over. Good luck. Good luck convincing a team after the your tour begins. after your tracker. No, he's gonna go like model underwear and sell perfume or something. <laughs> Get like eight more plastic surgeries. Ugh, um, what a waste of a career. Just too bad. Like, I mean, he's a nightmare person to work with. So, like, he kind of brought it on himself. But it's a shame to see someone that naturally talented not develop their their talent. Like, talk about like the mental side of the sport, right? Talk about a guy who's like complete disarray off the track. And totally bled into his on-track performance. What a shame. Yeah. Today's lesson is get out of your own way. Don't do drugs. And do drugs. I mean, don't do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, 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 speaking of pretty things, did you see the Walt Siegel bike? Does that, does that guy not make anything other than pretty bikes? This was really controversial. I was actually surprised how many people didn't like the way it looked. I mean... That's sort of uh, anytime a designer, you know, veers off slightly from what their traditional designs are like, people love to get all up in arms about it. Um, we see that all the time with major brands like Ducati and Honda and anybody else. So I'm not surprised. I I, I personally like the way this thing looks. Uh, we are talking about the electric moped slash motorcycle thing, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Does it have a name? 
it does just not one in public he sent me the whole story behind okay. it um, it's, it's actually kind of interesting but it's um i think it's super neat looking yeah. this this sort of makes me think of a, a cake yeah but like exactly what it makes me more think beautiful <laughs> yeah right more finished than beautiful looking so i personally like it if if you know if you're sort of going for that specific genre then i think it's a much cooler looking bike and it stays true to walt siegel being able to streamline something and making it more attractive and more uh appealing to someone like myself the reason i added it to the show for us to talk about was this segment is really interesting to me it's not quite a motorcycle it's right. not quite a bicycle like that cake right like, like i think it's great that you brought it up cake because that's exactly where i see this where it's like it's this in-between thing that we haven't really addressed in the industry yet. And I want to say like the Grom and all those Honda mini motorbikes fall into the same category. Oh, it's like three quarter yeah, motorcycle. It's essentially. not quite a whole motorcycle, but it's not a bicycle, but it's something more. You need a license for it. And I feel like that's such an untapped space that like Walt with his last two bikes has really hit on. And yeah. I'm kind of waiting to see like, okay, manufacturers, like who's paying attention like yeah. Honda, obviously ahead of the class. Kawasaki, you're kind of, you know, you got like the Z, what is it, 125 Pro, I think is what they call it. It's a total Grom ripoff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it is the Z125. Yeah, and then nobody else is here. Nobody else is in this space, really? The only issue with that particular weird segment is that it is essentially cake segment plus now Walt Siegel. But these are full motorcycle priced vehicles for yeah. three quarters of the machine that's the hard part that's a super hard pill to swallow See, that's where honda gets it right right and where cake and all of them get it wrong because electrics are still too expensive mm -hmm. yeah electric bicycle is going to cost you upwards of five six eight thousand dollars yeah that's a fucking motorcycle man you say that though i mean yeah I electric guess bicycles anymore. are not struggling with sales no they're not they definitely aren't so i mean like like that's why I'm curious. Like you as a dealer, like could you see yourself carrying like a, a bike like Cake or or a like I know you guys don't carry the Ducati mountain bike. We don't yet, uh, and there's there's a lot of internal reasons why. But you know, one of the things that I, I look at a bike like Cake or even this Walt Siegel would probably be an easier shoe in for a motorcycle dealership because we already have all the other. Let's just break it down just to the apparel. We have at least the apparel to to go with it. I think as soon as you get into the bicycle realm, now you have to deal with all the bicycle things that come along with it. Mm. A whole new set of apparel, a whole new set of mechanics, a whole new set of mm. you know parts and everything that comes along with that. So even with Ducati's, I think three different bicycles, that still says, hey, we need to have, I mean, I guess you don't need to, but I feel like from my perspective as a dealership, I'd like to give you a full experience. So I don't That's want to just true. sell you a bicycle and kick you out the door. I want to be able to give you the full bicycle experience. I mean, like if I, I mean, I would love to get one of those Ducati you and me both mountain bikes uh -huh. i think that'd be cool um i rode one it's amazing but like yeah absolutely like you sold me one i'm probably never coming by your dealership again with it yeah, because what i'm else? gonna take it down to my local bike shop yeah. I'm gonna, literally it's across the street i'm gonna yep. take it across the street to my bike guy little bike shop guy and i wouldn't blame you for that yeah Is that so, okay so i need to i need to have i need to have the capability as a dealership to be able to give you the full experience so in that case it means i have to be able to sell enough of them for it to make monetary sense and economic sense for me to now support that whole thing so that's sort of the thing that we're 
weighing right now to see if it is there. In North America, Ducati's bicycle segment is sort of a, I think it's sort of on a trial basis right now because not all dealerships are carrying it. Yeah. So I'm waiting to see what that looks like. I like it. I love the idea of e-bike. I think it's a very successful thing here in North America, especially in Portland. Everybody rides a bicycle here. Yeah. I was just the other day, like walking down the street and I saw some guy booking it 25, 30 miles an hour down mm-hmm. the street without even breaking a sweat. Like just like a yeah. older gentleman, not in bicycle gear, just re- regular city. And I'm like, oh, it's an e-bike. And just like, yeah, he's probably going to go all the way home at a car's pace. Yeah. Not even breaking a sweat on that thing. And that's, that's Dude, kind of some a cool of the ones I've ridden. A, a buddy of mine just bought one. It's basically has an automatic gear selector. The faster that it senses you're going, you're pedaling, it just upshifts for you. It's like a CVT. I mean, it looks, if you look at it, it looks more or less like, it sounds like a regular bicycle uh, uh, derailleur Uh clicking through, but it is automatically selecting it based on the pace that you're going and how hard you're pedaling. Mm, Interesting. Uh, I've never, it it felt like a CVT, but it just, uh, the idea was like a CVT, but it felt like a regular derailleur. Interesting. Um, So, there's a lot of really cool technology there. And and yeah, like you said, I barely broke a sweat and I was, you know, on the side street next to Motor Corsa, the speed limit's 30 and I was keeping up with the cars. Yeah. On a bicycle, just like nothing. That's, I think, like in the grand scheme of things, that's like Portland's like wet dream. Yeah. Just everyone out on bicycles, there's no cars anymore. Right. Which is terrifying. There's no parking anywhere. So they're sort of passive aggressively already pushing that. Um, well, Shaheen, I think that's that's it for us. I think so too. Yeah, I'm excited for your Aprilia sesh coming up. Yeah, that'll I be hope fun. I can somehow make it down there. We got to figure that out. Yeah, if I can do that, that'd be amazing. But um, that'd be a hell of a way for me to start my track day. <laughs> ah, track <laughs> hey, I haven't done a track day in like a year and a half. Can I hop on one of these Aprilia stinks? Bumble is a fun track. I, I know, like pump, people used to call it Bumpy Willow, and then they repaved it. It's it's, it's a fun layout. It's got a little bit of something for everyone there. You should come do it. I would love to. I'm going to try. It's going to be like 75. It's going to be gorgeous. Oh. Just don't drink the water. <laughs> um, we had no A&R Pro signups. What? This week. But to be fair. To be fair. Didn't really get the show out on the weekly schedule like we we're supposed to. So it's like. Fine. I guess fine. This time, fine. But next time, Jensen needs to buy his own burritos. I'm just saying. Oh, hey. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm going to get that torta, that Chinese torta thing. Uh, it's called a Jianbing. That's what it's called, a Jianbing. Okay. Yeah, it just came to me. It looks delicious. I'll get one with you. It's delicious. It looks delicious. It is super delish. Um. So, yeah. Well, On that uh, note. Next podcast will be from Button Willow with you and I. Nice. I like the way you think. Yeah. You're positive you're, thinking. You're projecting it. Yeah. Put it on the it. universe. <laughs> I like the way you think. Yeah. Positive uh, reinforcement of the thoughts and energies put your crystals out during the full moon and charge that bitch up oh my god okay <laughs> if you're into the crystal thing like we gotta talk do i look like a crystal no I, I know you're not i'm talking to the like three wackadoodles that listen to our podcast that have like four qu- quartz crystals in their hands right now listen if you're a crystal doer that and listen to our podcast please email me at we at gmail.com and just tell me your thoughts i'm not gonna make fun of you i promise this is not a uh, king shaming type of house that's actually making fun of your already it's not even a kink it's your belief i just want to know more about it okay so listen to how ignorant i'm about the whole thing i'm curious and i want to know when the aliens beamed you up last
So he's making fun of you, but I'm not. Nah, you deserve to be made fun of. Some some shit's just too weird. <laughs> we can't normal. You can't normalize weird shit like that. Listen, he hand. drinks green fizzy drinks. Don't listen to him. Yeah. Tell yeah. me more about your thoughts. WeBrabTalk at gmail.com. Follow us at we at BrabTalk on Instagram, at WeBrabTalk on Twitter, Facebook, BrabTalk Motorcycle Podcast. Oh, ooh, ooh, what you got? Ooh. Last show, mm-hmm. we asked people to leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts and the other podcasting apps, and, and like almost a dozen people did. Nice. And they were hilarious. <gasps> oh, I got to go there read them. Some, I don't have some, access to that. There is some good ones. Oh, uh, Apple Podcast app on your phone. All right. I'll, I, I, I use Spotify on my phone, even though I have an Apple. That's nothing wrong with that. I, I used to be on Spotify, too. It's great. It's a great service. Yeah. But yeah, there was a couple, oh, man, off the top of my head. Shoot. Next show, I'll Next show have, we're gonna I'll read have this those. prepared because there's okay. some good ones from Mike. I think our listeners are funnier than we are. Probably are. Yeah, they're amazing. That's why I love when people write to us. I love reading this stuff. But um, it, was also, very, it was very cool to see that. So I really appreciated that. I, I totally forgot that we had done that, and I was on like some rabbit hole doing something else, and saw it, and was like, "Oh yeah, we totally did that." Oh wow, look how many did it. That's awesome. Nice job, y'all. Way High five. See, I just forgave you the pro thing. Um, yeah. Also. Uh, a lot of people ordered the uh, Talk stickers and I sent a huge batch out and I'm about to send another huge batch out tomorrow. So if you need more, there's more left over. If you go on our Instagram at Talk, there's a link to my Etsy account and you can <laughs> shut up, Jensen. And you can, <laughs> do you, you can, do you link you it can, to your Pinterest? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I should. Pinterest of all things gold that I like. Uh, um, anyways, so there's more left. Order them. And uh, I've been sending everybody a little surprise safety third sticker as they order them as well. So a little little extra, extra, put them up there to show us pictures of where you're adding your little stickers. I'm really curious to see where these things end up. And you crazy people need to stop talking about beanies. We're not making beanies. We're totally making beanies. There's way more ask for beanies than regular hats. I think you're the crazy one here. We're totally going to make a beanie y'all. Although it's getting warm, so it's probably gonna have to be for next. Unless you're one of those crazy people who wears yeah, beanies we, in the we summer. Live in, we live in Portland where people wear beanies twenty four seven. I'll make fun of that. I don't understand that because my head gets very hot. This is the exhaust of my body, you know and I, I need to. What breathe. I don't understand is I see people out like it was. It's been like in the fifties, sixties lately, and I still see people with the like knee length down parka jackets with the hood up. <laughs> and I'm just going like, maybe they're visiting from Southern California. It is Fifty degrees. What are you doing? Maybe they're are visiting you that from San Diego? Soft? Harden the fuck up. Your Templi, bro. <laughs> yeah, fucking fucking tent. <laughs> fucking Templi. Uh, this is a one ply house. Uh, this is this is a barely one ply house. This is this is a one, two, three wipes and then blood comes out. I'm just yeah. saying. This is why you buy a bidet. Oh, okay. Grow up. <laughs> right. Safety third. Make good choices. Get out of my house. Good talk. See you later. I just realized I said, get out of my house. I'm in your house. (laughs) (laughs) You get out of my house. Wait a minute. I live here. You're out of order. The whole country's out of order. Let me just just hit that little guy right there. Yeah. Yeah, now it's doing it. Are we recording now? Is this thing on? Hey, Hello? on the bright side, Uh, at least we didn't like do like 20 minutes of show and then I looked down and like realized it. Remember that was Goldwing episode intro. that we still haven't put out yet, Jensen? We'll Goldwing episode. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, Christ. We got to start all over again. Oh, man. Now you know the now you know your intro name. <laughs> I like it, though. <laughs> Hello, my fellow Brappentonians, and welcome to Brap Talk. This is a weekly 
fuck face. A, I, I did fuck too, face. I did too many things at once. <laughs> I, did, I was trying to see the levels while I was doing oh God. This is what happens when we don't do it every week. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. This is your fault. 